morning truth. I wanted to tell you this morning that God heard your prayer. Now, because I am ordained to spread the gospel and deliver the truth to the people of God, I must also tell you that just because God heard your prayers doesn't mean he's going to grant your wish. We sometimes get confused and exalt our prayers as if we are presenting wishes to a genie. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines a genie as one with a magical spirit that serves the person who calls on it. The difference between a genie and God is that God is not magical, he is holy. See, magic weighs on the side of illusion and disillusion, while holiness weighs on righteousness, perfection, and is worthy of worship. God hears our prayers, but he does not exist to serve us. We were created to give him glory. We were called to worship and serve him. So our prayers should not contain any request that does not somehow glorify him. I had a conversation a while ago with someone who gave up on going to church and even praying because they felt that God just didn't hear their prayers or wasn't concerned about their prayers. And as I listened to this person spew their complaint against God, I had to provide them with some revelation and let them know that they were praying as if they were exalting wishes, as their prayers were instructions, as if they were dictating to a servant. Their prayer was not a plea for God to intercede. There are times when we need to go back to the drawing board to see where the fallacy is concerning us not reaping the results that we desire. Right now you have people hosting virtual prayer conferences for upwards of a thousands of dollars or more when the word of God, which is the ultimate manual, is accessible to all of us in some form or capacity absolutely free. And it outlines everything that we need to know about prayer. In Matthew 6, starting around verse 5, Jesus is talking to the disciples about prayer. And this is what he said. And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you even ask. Then Jesus goes in he, and he begins to teach them how to pray and give them, he gave them an outline. And he said, this then is how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he goes on to teach them more about the spirit of prayer as he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I want you to note how he closed out the outline of that prayer, emphasizing First of all, that you must come before God and ask for forgiveness. But don't ask God for what you are not willing and capable to give to someone else. As we go back and look over the scripture, the first thing Jesus makes very clear is that our prayer is not to be exalted as a spectacle. Because prayer is a holy, personal time between one and God. If you notice, there is no scripture where Jesus ever prayed with his disciples. He taught them how to pray, but never prayed with them. Not because there's anything wrong with praying with someone, but because he needed to make the point concerning how imperative it is that we look at prayer as personal time with God. Every time Jesus is recorded as praying, he was off somewhere by himself. The second thing Jesus makes clear is that there is no mystical, magical words to utter that activate or magnify prayer. Also notice, the instruction did not include the burning of candles, sage, incense, or even the usage of oil. God is God all by himself. He is not impressed with any of the icings that we like to expel in our prayer time. The scripture refers to babbling, which is simply anything that shifts our attention and faith from God. God is concerned about the condition of our hearts and the humbleness of our spirit when we come before him in prayer. As we break down the prayer that Jesus gave them as an outline, we see that he starts with our father, hallowed would be thy name. Jesus is letting us know when you approach God in prayer, humble your spirit. Recognize who you are addressing. You're not addressing a genie. You're not addressing Santa Claus. He's not a magical wish granter. He is God Almighty, the creator of all things, the king of kings, the father of all fathers, the one who reigns over heaven and earth. Hallowed be thy name. Those words reference the depth of the holiness in just his name. Jesus continues with your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, before we even make our requests known, we are to bow and reverence that we are just vessels used to manifest his kingdom on earth. And we are to humble all of our desires to align with his will, not him align with our will. Then Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. What he was essentially saying is we need to acknowledge 
that we need God daily. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, what we are essentially saying is we just need you to understand, Lord, that we're coming to you not with a spirit of greed. We know our faith in you needs to be renewed daily. And we are asking for just enough bread, just enough of your wisdom, just enough of your grace, just enough of your mercy to get us through this day. And tomorrow we'll come back to be replenished again. The bottom line is God wants and expects us to commune with him daily. The next thing that Jesus addresses in the prayer is forgiveness. You know, every day we add debt to our heavenly account for every sin. Every time we act, react, speak, or even think outside of the will of God, we have sinned against God. And we owe him an insurmountable amount of gratitude. This is a debt that we could never pay. So we have to humble ourselves and ask God to Lord, just please forgive us for what we could never pay. However, there's a loophole in the contract that we signed asking God to forgive us. The fine print in the contract details that we must be as forgiving as we ask God to be and forgive those who have sinned against us. This is a big hindrance in many prayers as God cannot and won't violate his word regardless of the circumstances. God doesn't want to hear, well, they did this. Did you see that they did this? Do you know how bad they hurt me? God says, yes, but do you know how much I love you? All I'm asking you is to put that behind you. Let me deal with that. If you don't let me deal with that, I can't forgive you. The scripture and the prayer goes on to say, lead us not into temptation. Every sin starts off as a thought fueled by temptation. And when our hearts become committed to the righteousness of God, we want to stay one step ahead of temptation. But we can't do that without God's help. So we got to include that in our prayer. And finally, the prayer ends with deliver us from the evil one. Deliverance from the evil one is deliverance from the ways of this world. All of the ungodly influences, all of the ungodly trends, what looks like the style or the thing to do, the, the things that the world present to us that is designed to distract us from the wills and the ways of God. I say to you again, God heard your prayer. Let me suggest that you may need to go back to the drawing board, even if it means writing down your prayer. You know, in the book of Habakkuk, the scripture tells us to write the vision and make it plain. When you go back to the drawing board, as you prepare to go to God in prayer, remember these five things. Number one, recognize that God is the holy of holies, not a genie. He does not serve you. You are called to serve him. The second thing is make sure your requests align with his word. 
his will and that you're willing to execute whatever it is his way. God does not honor prayers that go against his righteousness. Number three, humble yourself and admit to your sins and your wrongs. Be honest. And remember, God has already seen and heard it all anyway. Just confessing it is a sign of humility. Number four, acknowledge the grudges that you've been holding. He also knows all of them. Again, humble yourself, acknowledge them, and ask God to give you a spirit of forgiveness. This should be in every prayer because we live in a world of people who are just as imperfect as we are. We need to maintain a spirit of forgiveness, not just look to rejuvenate it when we adopt the grudge. We need to walk with a spirit of forgiveness so that a grudge is never something that even makes it into our spirit, that even touches our heart. And finally, the majority of our prayers are us asking God to clean up a mess that we've made stemming from bad decisions, us being irresponsible, or just us going against his word. And we need his help to avoid the temptations that ignite these behaviors. Sometimes that temptation is dealing with frivolous usage of our finances. Sometimes that means steering away from temptations of the flesh or even the temptation to be short-tempered with people in situations. God hears our prayers. We tend to think our prayers are going unanswered when God didn't grant our wish our way. The truth is every prayer you ever uttered has been answered. Always be mindful that God doesn't grant wishes. His priority is the building of his kingdom. So each and every request that comes before him. It's not that he doesn't want us to have the desires of our heart. He needs to be able to see how your request fits into his kingdom plans. So some prayers are answered with a yes. Some are answered with a no. Some are answered with a wait. Some are answered with a not right now. But they're all answered. The best way for our prayers to be manifested requires us to align our desires and our ways with his will and his word. The spouse that you've been praying for, how will your marriage magnify the kingdom of God? The job that you have been praying about, how will that job and your income magnify the kingdom of God? How will the house that you've been praying about magnify the kingdom of God? God heard your prayer. I want to close with Matthew 6.33, which reads, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Remember, when you start your day with truth, blessings throughout the remainder of the day is inevitable. That you think you can pray after that mistake But I know It's the only way you can make it better And I know Situations get too much for you to 
Get better, I'm so frustrated. 